Welcome to the Bamboo Pastors Podcast, a podcast that explores the joys and challenges of being an English-speaking pastor in a Chinese church. I'm Jalen Chan, and I'm here with my co-host, John Mon. Hey, everyone. Together, we host the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. We're glad that you're here with us. Come on in and have a seat at the table. Hey, John. Always good to talk to you. How are you doing? How's your week going? Uh, it's going pretty well. Let's see. I am scheduled to preach soon at my church, so I've been trying to diligently prepare. Are you guys in a series? Are you doing a special? No, we're just doing passage. Whatever the Lord puts on your heart, I think that's our series. And uh, I'll most likely be preaching on Sabbath rest from Exodus 31. So I'm looking forward to that. How about you? How have you been? Doing well. Uh, Jenny and I just celebrated our uh, 12 year wedding anniversary. Hey, congratulations! Thanks. Had a chance to get some carry out from a Chicago steakhouse. I don't know if specifically Chicago. I've noticed that most of your updates over the last few weeks have been food related. Yeah, food is one of the big things that helps us get through the five kids, and uh, and also a way for us to celebrate and enjoy uh, what God has done in our lives. So, of course, absolutely. I'm excited because our guest for today is one of my coworkers, Douglas Thew. Douglas is the assistant English pastor at my church, and he's one of the first people from this church that I ever met. And so he represented SJCAC to me for about a year until I started meeting more folks at this church and eventually came out here. So I'm excited. Welcome, Douglas. We're glad that you're on here with us. Thank you, John. Hey, Jalen. How are you? Good, Douglas. Thanks for joining us. Oh, yeah, it's a pleasure. Well, as we get started, could you give us a quick overview of your ministry journey or your calling into ministry? Yeah, sure. Um, actually, I grew up in the church. I have always tried to be open to God's leading in my life. Uh, although I recently came into the ministry about three years ago, I went to school at, during university and then I went to Urbana and I felt that I was willing and open to do missions work. And I really felt a calling to overseas missions initially and, and still have a very strong heart and desire for missions. But then after I graduated, didn't really do too much along those lines, started taking some classes uh, through seminary. But then my mom pretty much put a whole kibosh on that. Being the only son in a Chinese family where my mom was widowed, just felt very compelled to well, actually, I was very fearful of what she was going to do or say. And so I just started working and kind of still served in the church, uh, was very active. And it wasn't until about probably four years ago that I began to seriously think about making a transition from industry um, into full-time work. Yes. Yeah, so about four years ago, you began to sense that God was leading you into full-time ministry, but then you made the switch about a year after that. Yeah. So actually, I mean, I, I think I've always kind of been open to it, but um, four years ago was when I was actually asked to consider really making a step forward in, in that direction. Um, I think I was initially really shocked when I was approached about this because I did not see myself in a pastoral role, perhaps. Um, I, I think I love to shepherd. I love to, um, you know, invest in people and spend time with people and disciple people and, and mentor people. But I did not really think that I would be preaching on Sundays. Yeah. So what were some of the specific things that God was saying to you in that time? Like, how did he speak to you? Was it through other people in your life or prayer time? I, I think the calling has always been there. I think initially I felt like the calling was really to overseas missions. But then I think as I was praying um, after this challenge, um, I, you know, I was praying, okay, well, you know, 
God, give me a sign, give me a passage of scripture, give me something so I can anchor myself. But what I realized was that the calling was there all along. And I had just put it on the back burner because of fear. I, I don't think the Lord spoke anything differently three or four years ago than he did 20 some years ago. So I think it was always there. And I just kind of put it on the back burner because of fear. And I think part of my thought and praying was also, I think I came to a realization that, you know, half my life is probably gone. Who, who knows how long left I'll have. And I just felt like I did not want to have any regrets just because I was fearful. And I really felt like, you know, there's no better time than now. And maybe this is God's invitation and God's grace in allowing me to step into full-time ministry. And I ask, what was mom's response? You said earlier that you were a little bit fearful of what she might say or do. What was her response? It was actually quite difficult the first few months. I had to bring my youngest, who was still an infant, um, when I went to talk to her and tell her my decision so that he could be a buffer, um, so that she wouldn't get too upset. But I got the silent treatment for a good few months, and it was actually, it was pretty tough. But I really felt like I had to face my fears. And there was a song that really encouraged me. Uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with, um, you know, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. The words from that song really encouraged me, knowing the Lord would be the one who would uh, be parting the waters, that he would be making a way. So so yeah, so I knew that my mom would react. But then I also uh, was a little afraid of how my in-laws would react as well. So it was kind of almost like a double whammy for the first three to six months. Yeah. So how did your family make that adjustment as you went from working in the corporate world and then now or a very different schedule, different way of, you know, of making a living? I mean, thankfully, there wasn't really that big of an adjustment. We were already quite active and quite involved in serving. So it wasn't like we were doing anything necessarily differently. I would say the only biggest difference would be really preparing for Sundays and preparing for sermons, you know, because I it wasn't like I was preaching all the time. Um, I probably had preached maybe once or twice at most. That was probably the biggest adjustment. As an immediate family, I think the biggest adjustment was just in a good sense that I was really home more. You know, I was available more. Um, I didn't have to necessarily go into work as early um, as I used to for, you know, 7.30 or 8 o'clock meetings. But as a family, we adjusted pretty well. A nuclear family, you know, me and my wife and my, my three kids, not as a, you know, whole family when you think of parents and, and, and in-laws. But that eventually came with time. For some context, how old were your kids at the time? And then what were you doing before full-time ministry? So Enoch was one, Esther was three, and then Josiah was five. And I think that was really one of the concerns that our parents had. Oh, you know, your kids are so young. How are you going to have enough resources to feed them? And prior to, to stepping into ministry, I was working in the biotech world and I was doing uh, clinical research for a, a Bay Area biotech company. And I really felt that, you know, God had totally given me opportunities and blessed me in my career. Um, I felt like a lot of things were really God's doing. It wasn't because of me. And God opened up a lot of opportunity for me to grow in my field. But I always knew that wasn't the end all. I always knew that, you know, I, I never thought that I would necessarily retire from that field. And I, I don't 
really miss it at all, actually. Yeah, I think that making that transition, especially in light of how your mom felt and uh, even how your in-laws might respond, I think that's something that's certainly commendable. And I'm grateful that there are guys like you who will be faithful to the call that they feel God putting on their life, even if it means sacrificing or maybe even facing opposition from those who are closest to you. And so I think that's such a great testimony for for so many of us. But for you personally, what were some of the risks or what was a big hurdle that was in your mind or that you perceived that you felt you had to overcome? You know, my wife and I were praying about this decision. I think we probably spent like six to nine months, if not even a year praying about this because it was a big decision. You know, at that same time, I was asking the Lord, you know, is this really something that you want us to step into? As I was asking him, I really could not honestly come up with one thing why I shouldn't. Sure, I came up with excuses. Like in industry, I would, you know, frequently enjoy the perks of of being in the corporate world, not just the money, but, you know, the business trips and, you know, being able to fly business class, you know, internationally or whatever. From a human perspective, yeah, I kind of miss the perks of that, right? But but honestly, that's so humanistic or so so physical, right? So, you know, all the all the things that I could come up with, I couldn't really honestly say that's something why I can't make this decision. I think that the biggest challenge perhaps was really taking a step in faith because at that point we were in the process of consolidating households. We had just bought another place and we were in the process of expanding and renovating. And so I think that was probably the biggest challenge is how are we going to make it financially? You know, how can I quit my day job and then, you know, go into full-time ministry? How is the Lord going to provide? You know, it was just something like we have to really rely on the Lord. And this is where we step out in faith. You know, my wife was actually saying, you know, we've never really had to exercise our faith, you know, and, and actually live a life of faith. And I was thinking, don't pray that prayer because that's just not, you know, necessarily the prayer that I want to pray, right? But but through that, um, I think God really encouraged us and we have a roof over our heads. You know, we, we have food to eat all the time. God is always supplying and he, you know, he will continue to do so. You know, when that shift happened and all of a sudden you went from being a lay leader, very involved, but now on the pastoral staff, were there any changes in the way that you saw the church or saw the people that you had been serving with or maybe changes in the way that they viewed you? Yeah, that's a really good question because I grew up in this church. And so, you know, I was three, almost four when I started attending this church. And so a lot of aunties and uncles, you know, who I don't call aunties and uncles anymore, uh, just I just call them by their first name. But, you know, people have been very gracious, very kind, very encouraging. We've just been overwhelmed by the amount of love uh, that has been poured out to us as we've been uh, stepping into ministry. I do feel that our people have really embraced us and really loved us and really cheered us on. And and I know that that's not something to be taken lightly because I don't think everyone can step into a, a situation like that. But I'm really thankful and grateful that our, our folks have really, um, supported us and rallied around us. I think what has been interesting is going from, I guess, a peer to a a shepherd in a sense, right? Or a spiritual leader. So that's been probably something that I'm still trying to figure out and navigate. But in the past, I would still try to speak the truth in love, regardless of whether or not I had that position or title. So kind of a transition in, in the sense that, oh, I'm supposedly someone's pastor now versus just someone's friend. 
I think Douglas, like your story is, is really encouraging. And I think there's a lot of guys who struggle with that, right? Especially being Chinese and, you know, having parents who, even if they're believers, who have serious issues with their sons going into ministry. And so, yeah, I mean, I was encouraged immensely, even though I had a ton of support from my parents. And, uh, and so thank you for following God's calling, because I think that's, it's such a great testimony. I feel like I, I really have a heart for those folks because it's not easy. What can we do, right, as fellow ministers to really encourage, to even be able to know who these guys are and to kind of come alongside and to support and to really rally? It's hard. It's it's sometimes really scary. And where do you even begin to, to share, you know, with your, your family when, when you know the reaction that they're going to have? Well, I have a question for probably both of you guys, actually. Um, I know that you're serving in a Chinese church um, that is led by a Korean senior pastor. Uh, So how has that worked out? What's the dynamic like? Yeah, you know, that's a very unique situation. I actually don't know of a Chinese church that is really led by a Korean pastor. At least I haven't been, I haven't met one yet. Um, So, you know, it's really interesting because Pastor Ted first came to our church as a missionary candidate. And so they were really doing their quote unquote home service in the States for about two years um, before being sent out to what they thought was going to be China. Um, But then the the way the Lord has been leading them is, you know, one thing led to another and, and the he became different roles in our church. And, you know, quite honestly, you know, he has been with us for, I don't know, 14, 15, 16 years. And I, even though I know he's Korean, like, I think he's probably more Chinese than some of us. <laughs> so I, I, I had never really thought of it as a weird thing. Um, actually, I feel like it's really a blessing that our church can um, have him as our lead pastor, and especially with our Cantonese and Mandarin congregations, um, you know, just seeing the way that we work together as a team, um, it really has not, from my understanding, been an issue. Um, and I, I, I feel like it's really, it's been a blessing. It's, it's, it's a unique situation. Yeah, you know, I mean, obviously, my time with Ted is tiny compared to the, you know, 17 years that you've been serving alongside him. Um, but something that I really appreciate about his story in our church is that he didn't come in as the senior pastor on day one. Like you said, he was the missionary candidate. But in between that, he was also the youth pastor. And then he served as the English pastor for many years. And I really think that he built trust uh, just through his own faithfulness uh, and, and his family's faithfulness to the church and to Jesus and their example. And so I think that's probably one of the reasons why it has been such a good fit for this church. So, yeah, I think that's a really good thing. Yeah, I mean, like you said, John, I think, you know, a lot of people have gotten to to know the, them and, and really love them and really appreciate their giftings and, you know, um, their leadership style. So I think that's really helped um, definitely, uh, you know, when, when the time came uh, to make that decision. Yeah, we're, we're looking forward to having Ted on here at some point also. So we may have to save some more of those stories for him. But I was wondering if you could just tell us about just how SJCAC has been impacting the community. Like I'm brand new here and I've seen bits and pieces of it, mostly online, uh, but I know that you know the stories better. 
Yeah, you know, where our church is located in southeast San Jose, you know, we are in a predominantly um, Latino and um, I would say Vietnamese Southeast Asian community. Um, it wasn't always like that, but over the years, it has developed into that kind of a community. Um, and we are pretty much a community church. Very few of our church members live in the general area. People usually live around or maybe probably at most 10, 15, 20 minutes, some 45 minutes away, right? But what we've tried to do over the, I don't know, 20 some years that we've been at that location is we've tried to really do a lot of neighborhood outreaches. We do have a senior center that um, meets during the week. Well, this is pre-COVID, right? And then there is actually a preschool uh, that meets there. Uh, actually, that Sandy, Ted's wife, started. Um, and, you know, our, our kids have all gone there and my youngest still goes there. We also have had ESL classes at the church campus uh, that meets two nights a week. But now, um, is meeting in a neighborhood not too far away. And then we've also been engaged with one of the local public schools uh, doing a kids club in their elementary school and also having like a junior high outreach, uh, really bringing the church uh, to the school community uh, after school once a week. Um, so those are some of the things that we have done in the community. I think we've tried to really reach out to the different ethnic groups, whether they be, you know, Vietnamese speaking or uh, Spanish speaking. And then we also have some partner churches that meet on our facility. So in the afternoon, um, you know, we have a Vietnamese church uh, that meets there. Um, we have a Cambodian congregation. And um, as of late, uh, we had a Spanish congregation meeting there as well. Um, so it's it's a pretty diverse place. It can be a pretty diverse place. And it's kind of been neat to see how God has just really been bringing the nations uh, to the San Jose area. That's such a great testimony for all the Chinese churches to be involved in the community. And I think it's, it's awesome to see because, as you were saying, the community around you is not primarily Chinese. What has the, the response been from the community when they know that you're a Chinese church that's serving them who are not Chinese? Yeah, that's a that's an interesting question. I, I don't think they they mind at all. I think they, you know, I think those that are learning English, you know, even though they're learning English from, you know, perhaps a non-Anglo person, and they'll actually appreciate it. And I know that even our senior center, they also have some citizenship classes. I mean, these are older Chinese seniors, right? But a lot of them that take these citizen classes, they will pass the U.S. citizenship exam. And supposedly, the word has gotten out that people come from all over a county and some of them don't drive. So they'll like take the bus and spend an hour or two on the bus just to come to our citizenship class because I guess supposedly it's so well known. And, and I think the unique thing is that our teachers will actually pray for them and, you know, obviously pray that they pass the test and, you know, and and they do. And, and so uh, I think word has gotten out that, you know, hey, there's this, you know, there's a senior center that will help you, you know, study for the exam or prepare for the exam and cheer you on and pray for you. Yeah, my guess is that, you know, you've probably seen this just in your time at the church, but this did not start all at the same time. Like all these different initiatives, all these different ministries and ways of reaching the community. Probably they started with one thing and they were faithful with it. Yep. And as the Lord grew that, he gave us more to do and more ways to serve. And so I think that that's something that is important for Chinese churches to understand. Like, 
Like there is a way to serve the community and even the community that's not the Chinese community, but you got to start small and start faithful with what God gives you. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's exactly it. I mean, it wasn't like overnight, you know, one thing kind of led to another and then another opportunity opened up. And, you know, this is over 20 years probably that God has just continued to add different ministries. Yeah. And in that process, have you seen the three congregations, Mandarin, Cantonese, English work together or has it been primarily led by one of the congregations? Yeah. So I think with, you know, the non-Chinese speaking outreaches, it's primarily being led by English speaking folks, but then we will give the invitation to our Mandarin and Cantonese speaking brothers and sisters. And some of them will actually participate, you know, whereas I think if it's a Chinese speaking, let's say for our senior center, you know, it's predominantly Mandarin and Cantonese speaking. It's harder for those of us that are just English speaking to really participate. Um, Although if it's teaching English to the seniors, obviously that's, that's a way in. As you're sharing your story, uh, I'm so appreciative of sort of that leap that you made and, you know, where you've landed at the church that you grew up at, being able to serve alongside people who you grew up with, and then now being able to serve the community as well is uh, such a great testimony, something that's really encouraging to me. What is a piece of advice or encouragement that you would share with somebody, maybe even specifically for somebody who uh, is considering making a similar leap into ministry after having a career in a different field? Yeah, I would say just do it. You know, it's I know it's it's uh, easier said than done sometimes, but you know, if the Lord really is placing a burden or a call upon your life, it's not going to go away. You know, and I feel like even for my own story, I started sensing this call while I was still in college. And even though I didn't really necessarily step into it until 20 some years after that, that calling never went away. And It's really a matter of us being faithful to whatever the Lord has laid on our heart. And, you know, sometimes I feel like, oh, you know, God is so gracious that he didn't let it go, you know, that he didn't forget about it. So I would just say, you know, just do it. It's it's not always easy, but that's really where the faith component comes in. And that's really in a sense, you know, having taken that step, seeing how God has continued to provide, God has just really been um, just giving us a lot of joy as we're serving, as we're learning more about, you know, how to serve and, and how to love and shepherd people. But just the fact that, you know, it's really the Lord who who's in this. And if the Lord is in it, and if the Lord is inviting us to participate, then who are we to to say no? Who are we to really turn the other way and ignore it? Yeah, that's so true. I think just diving right in to whatever God is calling us to, man, that's the key to living the life that he wants for us. He calls us to be faithful more than he calls us to be effective. So I appreciate you doing that and sharing your story with us and coming on our podcast, Douglas. Thank you for being a supporter of ours and an encourager. I've definitely experienced that just in my time with you and here at this church. And so we appreciate you being on here with us. It's been a pleasure, guys. Thanks, Douglas. That's the end of our episode. Thanks for joining us today on the Bamboo Pastors podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the pod on whatever platform you listen to us on. Rate and review us and check in every week as we explore the joys and challenges of ministry in the Chinese church. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Bamboo Pastors. See you next time.